Uh, now, I've got a sermon. Somebody says, why don't we pay you? You're not preaching. I've got a sermon if you'll stay and hear it after Brother Don gets through. Psalms 103, 1 through 5. We are to thank God for our salvation, for our healing, for our, pre- uh, per- uh, for our preserving. And uh, I could preach that right now. I'd love to. But we done brought this guy in from Tennessee, paid his airline, got him a hotel room. Uh, he's from Tennessee, so he didn't need a bathroom or anything like that. We just got him the cheapest hotel we could get him. You know Brother Don Witt. He's always been a blessing here. And, and uh, Brother Don, you come. He's been in evangelism for eight, how many? About 20 years. 20 years. Does a lot of work in Ethiopia. And uh, his wife passed away about two years ago now, I think. And uh, he has been steady and continues to preach the Word of God. So would you welcome Dr. Don Witt this morning, Brother Don? Thank you, Brother Charles, and thank you for allowing me to be here with you on this special day. I didn't know I was going to get in all of this. Man, I've just been blessed, and uh, thank you so much. And again, Pastor, thank you for allowing me to get to be here, and thank you, church. And I was saying to the pastor, uh, I looked around this morning, and a lot more people here than was here last year, and God's hands on this place, amen? And so it's just good to get to be here with you. God has been good to us throughout this year. I will be in 51 different revivals or crusades this year. And uh, thus far this year, we've already seen over 2,000 people saved here in the States. And then overseas in Ethiopia, I was there three weeks on one occasion and one week later in the year, and we've actually seen over 26,000 people saved in Ethiopia this year. And so God is still the saving business, and so we're thankful uh, for that. Take your Bibles now this morning and open them to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15, I'm going to read there, verse 11 down through verse 24, very, very familiar passage of Scripture about the prodigal son. And I'm going to preach this morning on the subject, Lord, I'm coming home. Luke chapter 15. 15, beginning in verse 11. Now, if you're ready for the Word of God, say amen. Jesus said, and he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. And he divided unto them his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have feigned to have filled his belly with a husk that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my father have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger. And I will arise and go to my father, and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before thee, and am no more worthy to be called thy son. 
make me. Now, there's a big difference between give me and make me. Make me as one of thy hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and in thy sight am no more worthy to be called thy son. But the father said to his servants, Bring forth the best robe, and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand, and shoes on his feet, and bring hither the fatted calf, and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be married. Father, I do pray now that you will not only bless the reading of your word, but also the preaching of your word. And God, I do thank you for each person who's chosen to be here today. And I pray especially now For that man, that woman, that boy, that girl that's in this building that's nearest to hell. I pray today they'll come to Christ and be saved. May the only spirit that be in this place be the Holy Spirit. And I pray that he'll have liberty to walk up and down these aisles, hitting out these pews. And with the invitations extended in a few moments, may people have the freedom to respond to your call to this altar and come to Christ. What takes place here, may it bring joy in heaven. May your perfect will be accomplished. May the name of Jesus be honored. In Christ's name I pray, and all God's people say, Amen. In Luke 15, Jesus tells us about lost things. There was a sheep that was lost in the wilderness. There's a coin that was lost, in a house. And then there was a son that was lost in the far country. There was an animal that was lost. There was an object that was lost. And then there was a person that was lost. Now, the parable of the prodigal son is perhaps the most well-known of all of the parables. If this parable were to be a song, it would be number one on the hit list. If this parable were to be a book, it would be on the bestsellers list. If this parable were to be a movie, it would win an Oscar. But this parable came from the inspired lips of the Son of God himself. Jesus said, a certain man had two sons. Now, how many of you have more than one child? You have more than one child. Will you not agree with me today they are different? They're different. I mean, they have the same mama. They have the same daddy. They live in the same house. But they're different. One is sharp as a tack, and the other one is as dumb as a rock. I mean, one, all you have to say is no. And they stop. And the other one you have to wear out seven rose bushes on before they'll even listen. I've got three sons. Uh, Two of my sons are pastors, and the third son is an attorney. Pray for him. (laughs) 
but my sons are different. Now, I'm not going to tell you which ones this was because that would give them a complex, and I don't want to do that. But uh, one of my boys, as he was growing up, you might as well go out here and talk to a fence post as to try to talk to him. I mean, he wasn't going to listen to you until you gave him a good whipping. Now, I know that's not politi- politically correct, but that's how it was. And it was only then that he would even listen to you. And I used to say, the only ears you got are in the seat of your britches. And then the other one, you might as go out of here and whip a fence post as to give him a spanking. I mean, when you would spank him, he would just get like this and just saw up and wouldn't pay any attention. But I could start talking to him and I could say, I'm disappointed in you. You're a better boy than this. You know better than this. Big old tears would begin to stream down his cheek, and he would say to me, just just spank me. Just spank me. I mean, they're different, right? How many of you have ever had your son or your daughter say, why? Because I'm your mama or I'm your daddy. That's enough. Amen and amen. Now, we call this the parable of the prodigal son. Now, the word prodigal is not found in the Bible. The word prodigal means to waste a substance. You could uh, call him mean as the devil. You could call him a heathen. You could call him a scandal. But I believe the best name we have for him is what we call him, the prodigal. Now, I really believe that this story took place I do not believe that Jesus is just making up this story. I believe that he is telling us here about a family that he actually knew. And when he began to tell this story, I can almost imagine there in the crowd, someone nudged his neighbor and said, that was quite a day over there. I remember when that took place. Man, we could not imagine that happening. Now, I cannot prove that happened. But we've seen that take place hundreds and hundreds of times over through the years. Now, what I want to do this morning is this. I want you to see three main things from this passage. Now, you could preach all day long from this parable. I promise I won't do that. I'll get you out here by 2.30 anyway this afternoon. But what I want to do is I want to just lift out certain words or certain phrases as you walk through this parable. Number one, I want you to notice the rebellion of the son. And there are three things I want you to notice about this rebellion. Write down, first of all, the word disrespect. Notice there in verse 12, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. Now, underline there in your Bible that word, give me. I can almost imagine that the father came home that evening and he said to his wife, sweetheart, it's not the older son, but it's the younger son. He's the one that's demanding his portion of the inheritance. Now, in order to understand the seriousness of what's being said, 
You need to understand in those days that the inheritance was never given until the father was first dead. It wasn't until after the father's death that the inheritance would be divided. And so when that young son was saying, give me, in essence he was saying, I wish you were dead. Disrespect. I mean, here was a young boy that had everything that a young boy could want. I mean, he had a father that loved him. He had a good home to live in. He had servants to serve him. He didn't just have bread enough. He had bread to spare. I mean, he, he had everything that a person could ever want. But he still was not satisfied. He wanted more. You know, so often the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence. But I will remind you, grass grows the greenest on the top of septic tanks. Now, some of you will get that tomorrow. I mean, here's a a guy. He's been married to his wife 20 years. She's birthed him two children. But he's not satisfied. He wants more. He thinks he's wired for a 220 and he can't even handle a 110. And he shatters his life. He shatters his family. He shatters his opportunities. Disrespect. And then write down, secondly, the word debocrity. Notice there in verse 13. The Bible says, Not many days after the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country, and there wasted his substance with riotous living. Underline that word, wasted. That means to scatter abroad. It means to blow it out there. Americans are blowing their life with wasteful lifestyles. Drinking alcoholic beverages is wasteful living. Money spent on alcoholic beverages is wasted money. There are little boys and girls today in Longview, Texas who will go to bed hungry tonight because their moms and their dads have blown their paychecks this weekend on booze. And yet we still have some of these modern-day preachers who will say it's okay to drink a beer. It's okay to have a glass of wine. That's a lie. That ain't right. The Bible says in Proverbs 20, verse 1, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Using tobacco products is wasteful living. Tobacco will destroy your health. And yet I know people who are so hooked on tobacco that they'll even take extra work in order to carry out their habit. Using illegal drugs is wasteful living. And yet we see boys and girls and teenagers and men and women who will beg and borrow and steal and even kill to support that habit. But the thing that this young man wasted his living on was with harlots. Did you notice there on down in verse 30? The Bible says, But as soon as this thy son was come, which has devoured thy living with 
harlots. He had wasted his living with wicked women. Sex outside the marriage relationship is sin. Now, while I'm in the neighborhood, and while I'm going down the street, let me just go on to say that marriage is between a man and a woman. I don't care what Obama used to say. I don't care what Clinton said. I don't care what Trump says. I don't care what the Supreme Court says. I don't care what Congress says. Two men living together, two women living together is an abomination and a perversion against holy God. Hebrews 13.4, marriage is honorable, the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. And yet, I hear people say, well, we're just going to live together to see if we're good with each other. We're just going to have casual sex. No, it's fornication. Last year, I was preaching in a tent crusade in Asheboro, North Carolina. The pastor there, Brother Jeff Joyce, had been working with a couple they were not married, and the, uh, the man had been arrested a couple of weeks before, driving under the influence of drugs. His live-in girlfriend was an alcoholic, and they had a little child together. And that night, he got them to come to the tent crusade. And of all places, he had them set was right in front of me. Right in front of me. Brother Aaron, I got in one of those rocking, weaving ways. You know what I mean? I got to going. I mean, going, in, going preaching. I got on this thing. I said, you know, a lot of these guys out of here, I said, you're living without woman. And I said, you're just going to try her out, see if she's any good or not. I said, it's like when you go out to buy a car. I said, what's the first thing you do when you go look for a, a car? You kick the tire right? You kick the tire. I said, some of you guys, that's the way you're treating that woman. You're like kicking the tire to see if she's any good or not. And that woman sitting right in front of me, out loud, probably 1,600, 1,800 people there that night, she looked over to the man and said, that's the way he's doing me. Woo! As Paul Harvey says, the rest of the story. We gave the invitation. The first two down the aisle was that woman and that man. Brother Jeff took them outside to a counseling area. Dealt with them very, very thoroughly. And they were gloriously, wonderfully saved. I talked to him three or four weeks later after that. He'd gotten the man into a drug treatment program. The woman had called Brother Jeff and said, Preacher, Ever since that night, when God saved me, I've not had another drop of liquor. And he married them. Listen, that's what happens when people get saved. Amen? Debocrity. And then write down the third word, disappointment. Notice as you look on down there in your scripture. Notice what the Bible says in verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. 
I believe that citizen there is a picture of Satan. You're either being sent today by God or you're being sent by Satan. But you're being sent one way or the other. Can you imagine that young boy's mother showing up down there? There he is out there in the hog pen. I mean, that Jew boy. That's the last place in the world that a Jew boy was to be. But there he is down there in that pig pen feeding swine, shacked up with a harlot. And no doubt that mother would have said, what happened? Where did we go wrong? I'll tell you where it went wrong. When he left the father's house and he went out there in the far country. There's some of you. You're drinking beer with the boys. If your mama and your daddy were to see you right now, they'd say, what happened? We raised you better than this. Some of you are smoking weed, hooked on drugs. If your parents were to see you, they'd say, what happened? Where did we go wrong? And so number one, we see here the rebellion of the son. Number two, notice the repentance of the son. Notice the realization. Look down in verse 17. The Bible says, and when he came to himself. A realization. Listen, the devil will let you go ahead and destroy yourself. And then when you hit bottom and you decide, I'm going to go back to my father's house, he'll put you in front of a mirror. And he'll say, now look at yourself. Look at those blurred eyes, that big beer belly, that strawberry nose that came from drinking liquor. Look at yourself. You smell like a pig pen. Mom and Daddy won't want you to come back home. I mean, you can see the sinful stains upon him. I mean, those folks down there at that church, they won't let you come in that church. And the sad thing is, there are a lot of churches who would not. I mean realization. And then notice the rehearsal in verse 18. He said, I will arise and go to my father. I mean, I'm going to leave this pig pen and I'm going to go to my father's house. I'm going to drop the pill, kick the rail, and hit the trail. I'm tired of the sin, the slop, and the swine. I'm tired of the husk and the hogs and the hunger. I'm going to leave this pig pen. I'm on my way to the Father's house. Listen, that's what has to happen before you'll ever get saved. And then notice repentance in verse 20. And he arose and came to his Father. It's not enough to say, I will arise. He acted upon that. And he arose and came to his Father. Now, I cannot prove this took place, but I can almost imagine there he is. He hits bottom. And he decides, I'm going to leave this pig pen. I'm going to go to my father's house. But then he begins to fumble around in his pockets. He doesn't have a dollar. He doesn't have a penny on him. He doesn't have a camel to ride back home on. How am I going to get there? I can't prove this happened, but I can almost imagine. They begin to lay down rails beside that pig pen. And on each one of those rails are engraved Graceland Express. 
There's only one conductor, the Holy Ghost himself. And he looks and he says, boy, hop on board. Won't cost you a dime. Fair's already been paid for. Let's go back home. Now, you've heard this story before, but I want to tell it and you need to hear it again. D.L. Moody had preached a crusade in Kansas City. And he was on his way back home to Chicago on a train. And he's seated there on that train, and next to him was a young man who was so despondent and had his head down the whole trip. And finally, Mr. Moody looked over to him and said, Young man, you seem to be so discouraged and unhearted. What's wrong? And the young man looked back and he said, Mr. Moody, I know who you are. He said, Mr. Moody, he said, years ago, I rebelled against my mama and my daddy. And I slapped my mama. And my daddy threw me out of the house and said, don't ever come back here again. He said, Mr. Moody, I was at your crusade last week. And God saved me. He saved me. And he said, I sent a wire back to my mama and my daddy. And I told them that I'd been saved. And I'd like to come back home, but I'd understand if they did not want me to come back home. And I told them I was going to be on this train. And if they would, if they would tie a dish towel there in the apple tree next to the train track behind the house, and I would know it's okay to come back home. But if it was not okay... Don't put it out there. And he said, Mr. Moody, just around the curve up here is where my mom and daddy live. And I, I'm too afraid to look for myself. Mr. Moody, would you, would you mind looking for me? And he said, I'm going to close my eyes. And Mr. Moody was looking, came around the curve, and he said, young man, young man, open your eyes. Look, look. Not only one dish towel, but the whole tree is filled with dish towels. And I see that old mama and daddy, and they're waving a sheep back and forth. Come on back home. Come on back home. Oh, listen, it's not near as hard as the devil will try to make you think to walk down this aisle and get right with God today. I mean, leave the pig pen behind you and come back to the Father's house. That's what has to happen when you get saved. Some people say, well, don't expect any immediate change when you get saved. Where do you get that? That's a lie out of hell. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Oh, not going to be perfect. Not going to be perfect until you get to be with Jesus in heaven. But I want to tell you, when you get saved, you're different. You talk different. You walk different. I believe you even smell different. You're different. Last year I was preaching in Wilson, North Carolina. That's on the east coast of North Carolina. And on Sunday morning there was a very dignified man sitting right over here, about the third row back, had a suit on, a white shirt, no tie. And then I looked on Sunday night, he was sitting there again. Then on Monday night, he was still sitting there before the service. And I walked over to him, 
and started talking with him. And I said, are you a member here at Tabernacle Baptist? He said, yes, sir. He said, I got saved two years ago. And he said, I ain't fornicated with a woman in two years. That's what happens when you get saved. You leave the pig pen behind you. You leave your fornication behind you. You leave your beer and your liquor behind you. You leave your drugs behind you. You leave your old lifestyle behind you. I'm going back to my father's house. And I can almost hear him. I can't sing, but I believe he was singing. I wandered far away from God. Now I'm coming home. The paths of sin too long I've trod. Now I'm coming home. The rebellion of the son. The repentance of the son. And then notice the reception of the son. Notice on down in verse 20. The Bible says, And he arose and came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That's one of the boldest statements of God in the Bible. Imagine, here's a thrice holy God and he gets in a hurry. He begins to run. You know what makes God get in a hurry? When that sinner says, I've had all this old world, I can take. I'm coming home. Time out. Time out. Look up here. Time out. Some of you, mamas and daddies, you've got sons and daughters out there in the far country. They want to get right with God. They want to come back home. Let them get right with God. Let them come home. God let you get right. God let you come home. Let them come home. Let them get right with God. Amen. Now I want you to notice the gifts which the Father bestowed upon that Son. This is what God does for us when He saves us. Now I preached a whole sermon to get right here. This is good. Are you ready for some shouting ground? This is good. Notice what the Father gave to the Son. Notice, first of all, He gave Him a covering. Down in verse 22, But the Father said to His servants, Bring forth the best robe. Not just a robe, the best robe. Now that was a very special robe. That was a robe of authority. This was the robe which the Father's Father had given Him. This meant that He was the spiritual authority in the home, in the house. Now, normally, this was given to the elder son. But the father knew the heart of the elder son. You say, well, wait a minute. That younger son had done all of this stuff. Oh, but the father knew his heart. He knew that he had repented, and he cried out for mercy from the father. You say, well, he didn't deserve that forgiveness. Hey, we don't deserve to be saved. If we got what we deserve, we'd all get hell. And the servants look at him now. They don't see him in the mire and the muck of the pig pen. They see him tied up, dressed up, robed up with the righteousness of the Father. 
Aren't you glad that when God looks at us after He saves us, He doesn't see us for what we used to be and where we used to go and what we used to do? Amen? I mean, a robe of righteousness. He is justified. He looks at Him just as if He never sinned. Church membership is not going to get you into heaven. Water baptism is not going to get you into heaven. Good works is not going to get you into heaven. You must have on you the robe of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's a covering, the robe. And then notice the covenant. He said, put a ring on his hand. That ring indicated that he was going to become a part of the family. I mean, that young man gives that young lady that engagement ring. We're entering into a covenant. There's a great day out there in the future. When God saved me as a 13-year-old boy, he put the Holy Ghost in me. And that Holy Ghost came in me and came in you when God saved you. That says there's a great day out there in the future. We've been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. A robe for a covering, a ring for a covenant. And then notice shoes for his course. Notice what the Bible goes on to say. And shoes on his feet. Ephesians 6, 15. Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I mean, you can go back to those buddies back there in the pig pen and you can say there's food where I found food. There's forgiveness where I found forgiveness. A robe for a covering, a ring for a covenant, shoes for a course. And then notice it goes on to say, and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Notice not just a calf, but a fatted calf. I was raised on a farm in East Tennessee on a dairy farm. We didn't just go out in the field and kill any old calf for a beef, we put them up. We fatten them up. Anybody here from the farm or be raised? I mean, you put them up. They're special, aren't they? I mean, this was a fatted calf. I mean, it's been put up special for a celebration. I mean, there's a fatted calf. We're going to celebrate. Why dine with a swine when you can live like a king? You may say that again. Why dine with a swine when you can live like a king? We're going to celebrate. Aren't you glad that last night wasn't like Saturday nights used to be? I mean, you used to mess around and get drunk, sleep around. But last night wasn't like Saturday nights used to be. I mean, last night you read your Bible. You prayed. You kissed your kids kissed your wife, laid down and had a good night's sleep. Oh, listen, it's different when you get saved. I mean, a, a robe for a covering, a ring for a covenant, shoes for a course, fanny calf for celebration. But as good as all that is, that's not the best thing. You think, Brother Charles, you think they can handle something any better? Can you, can you handle something a little better? Even better than what I've preached on thus far. Can you handle it? You want something a little bit better? Here it is. Look on down there. 
It goes on and says, For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they begin to be merry. He claimed him as his son. Oh, I know he smells. I smell him. He stinks. I I see the rags. I, I, I see how he looks. I know he was wrong. I was there that day when he said, Give me! I'm out of here. But he's my boy. He's my son. I'm his father. Just give me a, just give me a minute. And I'll shape him up. I'll change him up real quick. Servants, take those old rags off of him. Put a robe on him. Put that sparkling ring on his finger. Put shoes on those bare feet. I smell vittles cooking. You smell that steak? I mean, filet mignon, ribeye, do you smell it? I mean, we're going to have a party. My boy has come home. Mays Jackson was an independent Baptist evangelist of yesterday. He was a great preacher. He lived in Atlanta, Georgia for over 50 years. He traveled this nation preaching. But he conducted his revivals different than most evangelists do today. Normally, he would start his revivals on Tuesday night and go through Sunday night. And then he would travel back home. And on Monday he would tape his radio program, Truck Driver Special. How many of y'all have ever heard that through the years? Any of you old-timers? Anybody? Uh, Truck Driver Special at Mays Jackson. And all day Monday, he'd tape his radio programs for the next week. And then when he'd get finished taping his programs, he would take his wife, Dot, out for supper every Monday night. He had a preacher friend up in North Carolina who had a son who had rebelled and had left home years ago. And they'd not heard from him. They said he got back in that night from taking Dot out for supper. And his phone rang. And he answered it. And on the other end was this voice, said, Brother Mays, said, you know my daddy, and he called this preacher's name, but you really don't know me Brother May said, my boy, I I know you, Daddy. I know you. And we've not heard from you for years. And he said, Brother May said, you're right. He said, I've been living out in the world in sin, away from God. But he said, I'm downtown Atlanta right now, outside the bus station. And a few moments ago, I knelt there beside the fire hydrant, and I gave my heart to God. And he saved me. And he said, Brother Mays said, I'm in a mess. I I don't have any clothes really that are fit to even wear. And Brother Mays said, well, boy, said, "Uh, I believe some of my boys' clothes will fit you. Said, I'll be on down there and bring you some. He took him down there, took him to a place where he could get cleaned up, get a good bath, put the clothes on. And then he said, would you like something to eat? He said, well, Brother Mays, yes, said, it's okay, said, I, I'd appreciate something to eat. And he took him, he got a good meal. And then he looked at 
Brother Mays, and he said, Brother Mays? He said, uh, I'd really like to go back home, but said, I'm embarrassed to even call my father. Would you call my father for me? He said, I'll be glad to. And so he got on the phone and called the old preacher up in North Carolina. And when the preacher answered the phone, Brother Mays had a, a special thing that he'd always say when you would answer the phone on the other end. He'd say, heaven calling. And so when the old preacher answered, he said, heaven calling. He said, Brother Mays, how you doing? He said, well, I've got a good word for you, good news. He said, I'm here with your son, Junior. And Junior just got saved. And he wants to know if he can come back home. And all of a sudden, all he could hear was the phone hit the ground. That old preacher began to run through the house and say, Mama, Mama, Junior just got saved. Junior just got saved. And you could hear that old mama saying, Woo! 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 That boy looked at Brother Mays and said, Brother Mays, did they, did, they, did they say it would be okay for me to come home? And Brother Mays said, Well, they hadn't rightfully said it'd be okay, but what I hear, I think it's okay. And he put him on a bus and he went back home. A couple of months after that, God called that boy to preach. Brother Charles, I verified this story this year when I was preaching in North Carolina. Today, that boy is pastoring the church that his daddy used to pastor. Why? Because he had a daddy who said, I forgive, come back home. Oh, listen, we've got a heavenly father. When we say, I'm tired of this old world, I'm tired of this old sin, I'm going back home. Oh, we've got a heavenly father whose hand will save, whose blood will redeem, whose grace will set us free. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! What a Savior. What a Savior. Lord, I'm coming home. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to bow your heads. Close your eyes. I wonder today if God is stirring in your heart right now. And many of you need to come back home. I wonder how many of you would say today, Preacher, I know that I know that I'm saved. I know if I were to die this very moment, no question about it, I know I'd be with God in heaven. Because there's been a time, there's been a place in my life where I have repented of my sin and I've trusted Christ alone to save me. I didn't just join a church. I didn't just get baptized. I didn't just walk an aisle. But there's been a time, there's been a place in my life where God saved my soul. And I know for certain, I'm not 99% certain, I'm 100% certain. If I died this very moment, I know I'd be with God in heaven. If you can say that and know that, I'm going to ask you, if you will, just lift your hand way up high as a testimony of that. You know for sure. Now, don't lift it if you don't know it. But if you know it, hold it up there just for a moment. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Okay, thank you. God bless you. Now, there are many of you today that did not lift up your hand. And I want to say thank you for being honest. 
Because before you'll ever get saved, you've got to get honest. You've got to get honest with yourself and got to get honest with God. But there's no reason for any person to walk out of here today not knowing for certain that when you die, you're going to be with God in heaven. And I'm going to ask you, if you did not lift up your hand, or maybe some of you who even lifted up your hand, but you say, Preacher, I really don't know for sure. I'm going to ask you, let me lead you in a prayer right where you're sitting right now. You make this your prayer where you ask God, forgive you of your sin, and ask Jesus to come to your heart to save you. You may want to pray out loud. You may want to pray silently. But the main thing is, you pray it in your heart, pray it to God, and really mean it. Now, just saying the words will not save you. But I'm going to ask you right now to get it settled. Let me lead you in this prayer right now as a youngster, as a teenager, as an adult, maybe even as a church member, but you really don't know for sure you're saved. Let me lead you in prayer right now where you're at. Make this your prayer. Pray with me. Pray with me. Dear God, pray with me. Dear God, I know you love me. I know Jesus died for me on the cross. I know Jesus came out of that grave and he's alive. But God, I have sinned against you, and I'm lost, and I cannot save myself. God, I repent of my sin. Jesus, come in my heart right now and save my soul. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I'm going to live for you the rest of my life. Now, I'm going to ask every one of you that asked Christ to save you the best you knew how just then, I'm going to ask you, if you will, just open your eyes and look up here at me. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to ask you two or three questions. If you prayed that prayer, look up here at me right now. Look up here at me. Anyone? Okay. Did you pray that prayer? Okay. Did you pray that prayer? There in the balcony. Did you pray that prayer, young man? Amen. Did you pray that prayer over here? Did you pray that prayer? Sweetheart, did you pray that prayer? Sweetheart, did you pray that prayer? Ma'am, did you pray that prayer? God bless you. Back here in the back, young man, did you pray that prayer in the back? Did you pray that prayer there in the balcony over here? Now, those of you who prayed that prayer, look up here at me. I'm not going to come to you. Trust me, I won't do that, okay? But I want to ask you three questions. Question number one, you know God loves you. You know God loves you. Sweetheart, you know God loves you. You know God loves you. Young man, you know he loves you there in the back. You know he loves you. Here, you know he loves you. Over here, you know he loves you. Nod your head. Sweetheart, you know he loves you. Sir, you know he loves you. You know he loves you. Ma'am, you know he loves you. You know he loves you. Sir, do you know he loves you? The Bible says, for God to love the world. That means God loves you. He really does. Then let me ask you a second question. You know that Christ died for you on the cross. You know Christ died for you on the cross. Sir, do you know Christ died for you? You know Christ died for you. You know Christ died for you. Ma'am, do you know Christ died for you? Sir, do you know Christ died for you? Ma'am, do you know Christ died for you? Sir, do you know Christ died for you? You know Christ died for you? You know Christ died for you? The Bible says Christ died for our sins. That means you're so special. You're so special. You're so special. You're so special. If you'd been the only person, Jesus would have died just for you. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Hey, you're that special. If you'd been the only person, Jesus would have died just for you. Then let me ask you a third question. This is really important. Are you ashamed of Jesus? You're not ashamed of him. Sweetheart, you're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. 
You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of Jesus. You're not ashamed of Jesus. You're not ashamed of Jesus. Sir, you're not ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him. Young man, you're not ashamed of him, are you? Oh, listen, Jesus is not ashamed of you. Jesus went to the cross and he openly and he publicly died there for you. And I'm going to ask you to do something. Brother Charles is going to come stand right here at the front right now. In a few moments, I'm going to ask every one of you that asked Christ to come in your life, just come stand in front of the pastor. Now, if you come in, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Christ. I promise you. Not going to have to give a speech. Not going to be embarrassed in a way. All he's going to do is have a word of prayer with you. Share a few things that's going to help you in your life as a Christian. And by you coming, you're saying, I'm not ashamed of Christ. You're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him, are you? Sir, you're not ashamed of him, are you? Young man, you're not ashamed of him, are you? Sir, you're not ashamed of him. Sweetheart, you're not ashamed of him, are you? You're not ashamed of him, are you? Brother Charles is going to come stand right now. And I'm going to ask every one of you that has Christ come to your life just then. Just stand up right now. Walk right in here to the preacher. Will you do it? Come on. Come on. Come on. Come. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come. Come on. Come. Come on. Come. 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 Others, come on. Others, young man, come. Come on. Come. 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 Did you mean it? Did you mean it? Come. 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 Right down here next to the pastor. Amen. Come on. Come. Others. Anyone else? Come. Come. Now you may be here and you've not yet made that decision, but you need to make it. And you say, I need someone to take a Bible and show me how to be saved. You come today, we'll take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Now I'm going to encourage you to come. Or you may be here today and you say, I am saved, I'm a Christian, but I'm not walking with God. I'm living back out there in a far country. Hey, listen, this altar is open for you to come today. The Father's arms are wide open to receive you back. And so I want to encourage you to come. Will you do it? Pastor's going to talk and pray with these here at the front. There's others that need to come. I'm going to ask you to come right now. Let's stand. Let's begin to sing. You come. Come on. I come broken to be mended. Come Come on. I come wounded to be healed. And I come desperate to be rescued. I come empty. To be filled, I come guilty to be pardoned by the blood of Christ the Lamb. And I'm welcomed with open arms, praise God, just as I up here just look up here for a moment we're not going to drag on but there's others that need to respond there's many others today that indicated you trusted christ i'm going to ask you to step out don't be ashamed come 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 then i want to make a challenge right now there's some mamas and some daddies here you've got a son or daughter that's living out there in the far country in sin they want to get right with god They want to come home. Let me encourage you as a mom or dad, make your way to this altar. Begin to pray for them. Begin to pray for them that they'll come back home and let them know that you will welcome them, that you will receive them. So I'm going to encourage you as moms and dads, if you've got a son or daughter out there in the world, you make your way to this altar right now. Will you step on out? You come. Come on, let's sing. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Just 
people said amen thank you you may be seated let me make just a couple of announcements here and we will uh, get out of here as soon as possible all right tonight I'm not sure why your bulletin says worship service at five o'clock some of y'all may need to just bow and worship at five o'clock I don't know but we're not having services here it's six o'clock agape feast Brother Don will be just sharing a short testimony. Our children's choirs are singing again. Uh, and uh, I think the handbells are going to uh, be there too. Is that right? Yeah. It's going to be good. Now, after last year, we as a staff just said, look, we can't do this anymore. We were crammed like sardines. And, and uh, so this year we have 
moved everything over to the Hallsville High School uh, cafeteria. Many of y'all pay taxes in Hallsville, and you really ought to come see what your money bought. I'll, I'll just tell you right now, it's not no slouchy place. I can tell you that right now. It is first class swank and very nice, and folks have decorated it and made it great. And we've got uh, ham, we've got uh, brisket, we've got uh, broiled chicken, we've got fried chicken, we've got uh, big pans of dressing with cranberry sauce and rolls. And if you'll bring what you're supposed to bring in the bulletin, it's, a, it's got for your last name. You say, well, I can't remember that. I don't want to bring whatever you want to. It don't make any difference. We just didn't want everybody to bring a dessert. We had 300 desserts and no, no vegetables. But uh, that's just a guideline. If you say, well, I don't cook desserts and I'm down for dessert, please don't bring one then, all right? <laughs> bring something you do cook that's good, all right? And we will appreciate that. Now, I think some of you may have already brought your stuff here to the church, and we'll get it over there for you. But, but really, you just carry it with you at, at uh, 545 or whenever you get there. Plenty of parking, good parking, lighted. Everything will be great. It's going to be a great night. Uh, so do not miss that. No 5 o'clock worship today and no midweek services this week. No midweek services. We always do that for Thanksgiving, so no midweek services. A whole month of November has been Thank You Jesus Month, and boy, no one uh, has better uh, assets to say that than we do. Uh, thank you, the Lord Jesus Christ, for all he's done. Uh, Thanksgiving food baskets, Brother Clark, you doing those today, this afternoon? Is there a certain time? You going to do them right now? Oh, tonight. You're doing them tonight. So you're going to haul food over there? Or you're doing it after the service tonight. All right, we'll get it on the same page. So if you want to come help Brother Clark do the food baskets there. And then let me just say this. We, we, we do these food baskets to give away, and they won't do us any good sitting here. And we can take them and give them away. That's no problem. But I'll tell you, if you, if you have a neighbor, maybe been out of work, or you've got a friend, or you know somebody down the street, uh, this is a wonderful opportunity. Uh, there'll be a track in there and, and, and uh, a New Testament and then the food basket and everything. It's a wonderful opportunity. You just take them and say, hey, we had this left over at the church. You know, Don't, you know here, this is for you. And uh, be a blessing to them. Be a blessing. I'd, I'd much rather see them go to people you know that you might can minister to and be a, a help in their Christian life. So help us with that. Let us know. Let Brother Clark know. Uh, Dickens of a Christmas. Tickets are going fast. Uh, and if you want to get in on that, uh, I think there'll be plenty of room, but certain nights will be full. So you need to get in on that. Get those tickets. Call the, the uh, church office, or you can do it online, either one. There's a mission team of, uh, I think, of five. I believe Micah and Katie and Matt. Newton and full, uh, and uh, uh, the farmers are going, both of y'all are going, right? Okay. So there's five right now. If you want to go, th- this trip is about hanging sheetrock or floating and taping texturing sheetrock. So if you can slap up a piece of sheetrock uh, and hold it in place and put it up, there's 142 sheets to hang. And then there's probably 15,000 square foot to uh, float and tape. 
Uh, some of you have been there before at Vider uh, Trinity Baptist, but uh, we're trying to finish that out as soon as we possibly can. So if you want to go, this is Monday and Tuesday. They'll be back Tuesday night. What time are you leaving in the morning? Five. That gum, there's only one hand went up. Did you mean seven or eight? You, you, you just meant five. All right. Five o'clock. Let us know. Uh, and, and we've made it easy on this trip. You get a motel room. We, we don't usually do that, but you get a motel room at the Holiday Inn in Vider, Texas. You, you, well, I better hush. Just stop right there and just be quiet. Say no more, all right? But it's, it's a great room. It's good. So help us with that. It would be greatly appreciated. Uh, we have this morning, uh, and let me just say a word. Thank you, Brother Don, for preaching the word. Amen? Uh, it's not... <laughs> it's not always popular. In fact, I was sitting there thinking this morning, bless God, maybe this will take a little heat off of me from last Sunday. Uh, but uh, uh, folks, uh, uh, hmm. when you're preaching, sometimes things people hear things different from what you're preaching. Uh, I made a statement last week, and I'll be honest with you, I didn't think anything about it. We got in the car, and my wife said, you're going to get some flack over that. And I said, well, babe. Uh, so I didn't say a word until I got the CD and went back over it again. And uh, I was preaching on Colossians chapter 3. We're to be dressed up for success. There are things you ought to put off, things you ought to put on. That's physically and that's uh, spiritually also. And I just made the statement that if you, I'm talking to church people, I'm talking to Christians. If you leave your house in one of these bathing suits where there's nothing on your back two buttocks, I said it's a miracle you get a block without getting raped. Now, I, I, that's just a simple statement, but don't you ever think I'm condoning anybody getting raped. That's a horrible thing. It's terrible. It's sin. But I also know as a child of God, whether you're a woman or a man, we have responsibilities. And let me just give you a little secret, what I've learned uh, through life. Some of you say, uh, just listen to me. What you believe about the Word of God tells me who you are. What you believe about the Word of God tells me who you are. There are a lot of folks say, well, you know, I believe the Bible. It's just like Brother Tom was talking about this morning, this once saved, always saved. People always wanting to know, can, can God keep them saved? Can God keep them saved? That, that's the wrong question. The question you need to be asking was, did you ever get saved to start with? That's the question you need to nail down. Let me tell you something about God. He's able to do all that he says he'll do. So anyway, hey, I love you, appreciate you, and I appreciate people. You know this if you've been here very long. I mean, I've been here 13 years. You know my attitude, my spirit. I, man, I've done anything for homeless and and women's shelters and anything in the world, man, it's our desire to reach and to minister to people. But I want to tell you guys, I'm going to preach the word of God straight. And it, you know, a lot of folks don't want to hear that. We heard it this morning straight. And I appreciate that. Takes the heat off me. All right. Chastity, Chastity Thomas. All right. Chastity comes this morning and uh, she's accepting Jesus as her public uh, as her personal savior and desires membership in the church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Come stand with her, Barbie. Okay. 
Praise the Lord. And then Kelly Decker. Kelly comes this morning, and uh, she's been saved, and what a blessing uh, Kelly is, and, and we even like Robert. Uh, but what a blessing this couple is. Where are you at, Robert? Come on down here and stand with your sweet wife. She comes this morning rededicating her life to Christ. You say, well, <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. And then we have Sandra Lockhart. Okay, Sandra, you come and stand right here. Sonia is, uh, uh, Sandra is a Christian and uh, wanting to come to our church from a, a sister church. All right. We pray. If you receive her, say amen. Who do you know here, Sandra? Okay. Fosters, come on down here. Y'all look pretty this morning, all Christmassy and all, and red shirt. And I tell you, uh, stand with these. All right. Aren't you glad you've been here today? Don't forget tonight, six o'clock, we've got room. There's, there's room for five, six hundred people uh, in, that, in that place. So there's plenty of room. A couple of things that haven't been mentioned. December 3rd, that Sunday morning, the Ugandan Kids Choir will be here performing for us, morning service. But that evening is when you want to be here. All of our Kids Choir program are presenting their Christmas program called The Christmas Star. That's our preschool up through um, old children's choir, including our daycare choir. So be here for that. That's the night of December 3rd, 6 o'clock. You talk about star. Did y'all see my grandson standing over here this morning? They have learned if they give him candy, they can calm him down. <laughs> he sat there and ate candy through that whole thing. Praise the Lord. Uh, we need to remember that at home, amen? We've got some stars in this preschool group, I promise you. And children too. So you be there for that. All right. Would you stand together? I want you to come by and give these around here Christian Fellowship. Join hands across the aisle if you would. I love to tell the story. T'will be my theme in glory. To tell the old, old story. Of Jesus and His love. Folks, let me just share with you. Don't, don't forget this Thanksgiving to just spend some time sharing with each other what a blessing uh, they are, your family and friends. And to take time to just stop and just say, Lord, you've been so good to me. So good to me. Brother Greg Stewart, would you lead us in our closing prayer, please, sir?